In the rapidly changing world, healthcare needs are constantly evolving and clinicians need to find new ways to deliver care. And often the best way to do that is by looking back. Without Marie Curie, there would be no pioneering improvements to medical imaging today. If Edward Jenner didn't inoculate a 13-year-old with cowpox, there wouldn't even be a space for Professor Ian Fraser's cervical cancer vaccine. Our clinicians are standing on the shoulders of those who came before them, learning, growing and advancing. Hindsight isn't 2020. It's our future. As the saying goes, teamwork makes the dream work, and there's no truer place that that is on display than in healthcare. Working across professions, boundaries, and care settings, these services are partnering with consumers and jurisdictions to innovate care that is truly patient-centred. Whether we realise it or not, music plays such an important part in our lives. From helping us relax, to filling us with joy, a good song can change our day, but it can also drastically improve recovery for patients. Christabel Clark from Metro North shared how they're using sensory training for arousal recovery in people with severe brain injuries. I am presenting on behalf of the whole care team at Brighton Brain Injury Service, where we've developed a program to help us address the needs of patients with a disorder of consciousness due to an acquired brain injury in order to promote their arousal recovery so that they can then go on to engage in other therapy or better quality of life. So what we found is that we have a rising number of people that are coming into our service with a very severe brain injury as a result of the increased technology and care ability that we have now. But what we were finding in our practice was that we couldn't find any specific clinical guidelines to inform how best to treat this very severe part of the population. And it was resulting in very long admissions, high financial burden for the healthcare system, low quality of life for the patients and for their families, a lot of carer burnout because of that heavy, heavy care burden, and obviously also a lot of financial strain because of the amount of care that they required. So we got some funding and we went into the literature and did our literature review into each of the sensory modalities to see what was out there and what had already been proven. So we looked at visual, auditory, gustatory, olfactory, somatosensory, multisensory enrichment, family involvement, and then sensory interventions that had been used by nurses on the ward as well. So we did separate literature reviews into each of these areas. But what we found is that there were a lot of inconsistencies in the designs. There wasn't one best practice approach. The individual stimuli that was used tended to be fairly generic in order to assess the effectiveness, but it didn't actually always represent the best practice in each of those areas. And 
it was very difficult to modulate that sensory intervention according to the tolerance of the patients. And we know from our clinical practice that patients with severe disorders of consciousness and severe acquired brain injuries are very variable in how they present from day to day. So we need to have the ability to modulate how much intervention we provide to them at each particular moment so that we're not overstimulating and we're not understimulating them, but we're trying to keep them in that optimum zone. We also found that the sensory interventions, because they were generic, weren't then personalised to their pre-morbid preferences or to things that were really significant to them that would assist them in their motivation and engagement with the program. So we took what we could and what was seen to be most effective in each of these areas and we tried to combine the best elements of that and we developed a START intervention. So our START intervention starts off with gathering those personal preferences from their families, so engaging their families also in that initial care and doing some baseline assessments to see what level they were at, what was overstimulated for that particular patient, what did understimulated for that particular patient look like and what was motivating for them, when the best time of day is for that intervention and those types of things. And from that we established a profile of what that patient looked like and what we were aiming for for that patient and then with the whole care team looking at prescribing an intervention that was reflective of that and that could be modulated up or down depending on how they were doing that day. We had a sensory stimulation program that included a narrative of a significant memory told from a significant person's perspective. So that could have been a family member or a very close friend or significant other that had a very strong relationship with them more than 12 months prior to the injury because we know that in that 12 months prior to the injury we can get distortions in memory. So we asked them to record the recounting of that shared memory with the patient and we would record that memory and use it as the basis of our sensory stimulation. From that we would tease out visual stimulation that was related to the memory, auditory stimulation that was related to the memory, gustatory, olfactory and somatosensory. So the somatosensory could be things like vestibular stimulation, whether it was in sitting or in on the tilt table, that type of thing, or it could be tactile with significant objects that were directly related to that memory. The duration was about 20 minutes for those programs and we were aiming at three times a week and looking at an initial period of three months before doing a bit of a reassessment with those baseline tools and seeing how the patient was going if there was any impact of the program and they would benefit from further intervention or if they had already started doing well and were able to engage in more high-level rehabilitation or if it wasn't actually being very effective for them. So that would then guide the next steps for that patient. As part of the stimulation, we would present each one of those individual sensory stimulations first to prime their response, and then we would present the auditory narrative with the embedded sensory stimulation, so bringing it all together so that it was a sensory, an enriched sensory environment, and it took on some more meaning and helped them to relive that memory. So here's an example. 
This was a memory around a holiday that a patient had experienced. And we've got a snippet of the narrative that we used for this patient. You and your sisters were playing in the water, running around on the beach, and you can hear the sound of the ocean. Um, your father had your sisters in the water there with him and they would not be able to swim properly together. And you were just running up there to catch them and you saved them. I think it was Georgina that you saved. And then you went and you um, picked up a bucket and filling it of water so you can run after your father and splash him with it. And that was, it was really funny. You can see how, look at the pictures there. You were happy then. You couldn't wait till you get him. You had the sun cream on you, the coconut one. And you actually got baked on your back and it was, it was so beautiful. It was nice and tan. Um, you were hurting a little bit. It was painful. And after... So that's just an example of how we engage the families in putting this together and it can be quite confronting for some of the families to participate in that but we found that it gives them a way of focusing and including them in their care and feeling if we support them to do that it's very beneficial for both the family and for the patient. This is just a little quick overview of some of the patients that have gone through the program. So, so far we've run the program with six people. We've had Different outcomes depending on the time since their accident, when we start, the type of injury that they've had, and also some pre-morbid characteristics such as their personality or their mental health status prior to the program as well have impacted on their, on their outcomes and on their engagement. So far, all of the patients that have come through our program have actually managed to score at an emerging level on the coma recovery scale and on the, the Matadoc assessment, which is a similar assessment, but it uses a lot of auditory and musical stimulation to get a little bit more of a finer measure on their outcomes. What we have found is that some of our patients, if their injury was due to some self-harming types of behaviours, there have been some patients who, as they start becoming more aware of their environment, they start also disengaging from therapy and from that rehabilitation process. Some of the downsides, it does take a little bit of time to set up for each patient and it does require us to work closely with the families, which is what we want to do anyway, but it does take some time. It does require capacity from the families to be able to emotionally go through that process and we've got the team there that can help support them to do that. And it's very difficult to establish a causal effectiveness for the program as well because of the small number and the individuality of each injury. And we're not going to withdraw standard rehabilitation care from them. So we're still looking at developing that further and establishing some research but that's going to be a challenge for us. On the positive side, we have very promising outcomes and data to date, and it gives us a very structured, intentional guide to interventions that are emotionally salient for the patient and that are patient-centred and collaborative. So it helps give our whole team direction in how to start the journey for those people. Thank you. 
As always, thank you for listening to our podcast and taking the time to learn about the wonderful work of Queensland's frontline clinicians. To continue the conversation, head on over to Facebook and let us know of any pockets of excellence you think deserve to be showcased. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Clinical Excellence Queensland.